The book of Ephesians again this morning, Ephesians chapter number 2, Ephesians chapter number 2, and uh, this is a uh, the fourth message that I've preached from this passage of Scripture, uh, these four Sundays in a row, and uh, we'll see what God has for us this morning. I plan on preaching one more time uh, next week from this passage, and we'll move on to what God has for us next, but I trust this has been a help and a blessing to us as we think of God's grace and His mercy. And we would have no hope, we would be hopeless without God's grace and God's mercy. I want us to be reminded uh, once again today of what God has done for us. And I also want to remind those who uh, may be in the service today, you've never gotten your salvation settled, you've never accepted Christ, uh, perhaps somebody watching the live stream, listening by radio, I want you to know that God's extended mercy uh, to you as He extended to all of us. But we read from the book of Ephesians chapter number 2 beginning with verse number 1, down through verse number 10. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Let me stop just for a moment. Paul is writing this letter to save people. He's writing it to the church at Ephesus. And so he's reminding them, you, Christian, you, church, hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Aren't you thankful that we have that in common with that church? We were dead in our trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy... For his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God." Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. Four Sundays ago, we took our message from verse number 8. By grace, that unmerited favor, we're saved by grace. That word saved means something to a child of God. It means something to those that are saved. If you're not saved, you don't understand what it means to be saved, what we're saved from. Then three weeks ago, or uh, two weeks ago, we spoke on uh, verse number nine, not of works, lest any man should boast. Our salvation is not of works. You cannot work your way to heaven. You cannot be good enough to heaven. Uh, you church membership won't get you to heaven. And so we looked at that and the fact that uh, there's nothing we should brag about but the Lord Jesus Christ. And last Sunday, we were in verse number 10, for we are His workmanship, how that same grace that saves us continues to work in our life. And friend, if you come up short in your life today as a Christian and you fail and you don't reach the standards that you've set for yourself, let me just remind you once again that He's not done working on you. He's still working in your heart. He's still working in your life. And those that we love and we pray for, be reminded He's still, if they're saved, and that same grace of God continues to work in their heart and life. Today, I want us to look at verse number 4. and We'll look at a couple other verses in this passage this morning. But God, 
who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. All of us, no exception, sinners destined for hell, but God, who is rich in mercy. We were children of Satan, but God, who is rich in mercy. That's our message today, but God, who is rich in mercy. Father, we love you. Thank you once again for your word. Thank you for what we've already been a part of this morning, the Sunday school hour, the fellowship, the singing. Father, I pray now as we come to the preaching of the word of God, may our hearts be focused on what you have for us. May we be yielded. May we uh, be listening to the spirit of God as he uh, works through your word this morning. And Father, once again, I pray that if there's someone lost in the service, may today be their day of salvation. Father, for the child of God who's already got their salvation settled, their eternity is secure, may we be reminded of uh, what Christ has done for us. May we be reminded of what we have in our salvation. Because of that, may we put the honor and the glory where it belongs. And Father, I pray that your will will be done this morning, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For just a moment, would you think of where you deserve to be? Nobody in this room deserves to be here. Nobody deserves to have been able to pick up that hymn book just a few moments ago and sing, All Hail the Power to Jesus' Name. Nobody deserves to hold the Word of God in their lap and praise Him and say amen to the promises that we have been promised. Think of where you deserve to be. We are sinners. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's no exception to the word all. Wherefore, as by one man, Sin. Every man born into this world is a sinner. It is in our nature. It is who we are. It is what we do. The first few verses of this chapter, which we'll spend our time on next Sunday, reminds us of what we were before Christ saved us. We were dead in our sins. We were lost without hope. Uh, this who we, that's who we are and what we deserve to have is that payment for our sin. We read one day of how the devil, our enemy, the enemy of our Lord is going to be taken and finally cast into that horrible place, that horrible pit, that lake of fire for eternity. Sadly, he'll not be alone because he'll be with those who have rejected the mercy of God. He'll be where you and I deserve to be, but thanks be to God because of His salvation. But God will not be there. See, the words, but God who is rich in mercy, means something to a child of God, but it can't mean as much as it needs to mean unless you first think of where you deserve to be. See, as we're saved and God begins to do that work in our life, we get further and further removed from what we were. It, Paul reminds these Christians, don't forget what you were. Right. 
before God, who is rich in mercy, saves you. And friend, you and I need to be reminded of what we were. As we look at our text this morning, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, I want you to think of those words just for a moment, that word mercy. Whether or not you can articulate a formal definition of not, I believe everybody in this room probably could give a pretty good definition of mercy. You have an understanding of what it means to show mercy or to be shown mercy. But let me give you a long definition this morning, if I could, of the word mercy. It's that benevolence, mildness, or tenderness of heart which disposes which causes a person to overlook injuries. And by the way, friend, you and I need to be reminded that our sin offends God. Well, my sin doesn't affect anybody. It didn't affect anybody else. It offends God. And if it didn't affect another human being, which it does, the fact that it offends God, we deserve punishment for that. But mercy causes a person to overlook those injuries. Or to treat an offender better than he deserves. We as people complain a lot, don't we? But the fact that we're not in hell, we've got better than we deserve. The disposition that tempers justice. Made no mistake, God is a just God. Sometimes we look at this world and we look at the wrong that's done and we look at the innocent blood that's shed and we say, God, how can you let this take place? Friend, all you got to do is read the back of this book and the book of Revelation and that blood that screams out, justice will be served. He's a just God. But mercy doesn't cause him to ignore justice, but it tempers it. And induces an injured person to forgive trespasses and injuries, to forbear punishment, or inflict less than law or justice will warrant. In other words, you get less than you deserve. How many of you are saved this morning on your way to heaven? Don't, if you're saved this morning, don't ever walk around. Well, God, God should have done this for me. We've already got more than we deserve with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you a, a simpler definition, the act of sparing or the forbearance of a violent act expected. To be or to lie at the mercy of, to have no means of self-defense, but to be dependent for safety on the mercy or compassion of another or in the power of that which is irresistible. Friend, we can have all the muster up, all the bravado we want, the fact that we feel like we might feel like we feel we, we don't need God, or we can live separate, or we can endure his justice, or this lost world will tell you, oh, we're not we don't fear the 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 future and, and we don't fear a God that we may face one day, friend, and that day they'll be crying for mercy, but none will be found. It's to have no means of self-defense. How can you and I offer a defense? To our sins. We're dependent on the safety and the mercy or compassion of another. It's a word that goes well with that word grace, that unmerited favor. Mercy, simply put, is not getting that which we deserve. But God, who is rich in mercy, I'm thankful that God has mercy, aren't you? 
But it's better than just God having mercy. It's better than just God having that nature of himself that says, you deserve this, but I'll offer forgiveness. You deserve punishment for your sins. You deserve that place called hell, but I'll not execute that judgment. I'll give you a way out of that. He's not just a God that has mercy. It is much better than that. Look at verse number four, but God who is rich in mercy. It means he's overflowing in mercy. He's abundant in mercy. He'll never run out of mercy. You think of your own life and you think of your own sins and you think of your own nature and you think of what you deserve today as a sinner who sinned against God. How much mercy it took just to keep you from hell. How much mercy it took just to keep one person out of hell and that forgiveness. But you think of a God that doesn't just have a little bit of mercy. He's rich in mercy. He's got enough mercy for the whole world. Boy, he's overflowing. He's abundant. But God, who is rich in mercy. Boy, we think of what we are. We think of what we used to be, church. You think of what you were before Christ saves you. And maybe you're here this morning and you say, I can't think of what I, what I was. I, I'm faced with what I am. I am a sinner. I, I, I am on my way to hell because of my sins. I have nothing to offer. I have no defense to give God. I have no way of, of, of having that forgiveness except for a God. He's going to have to show mercy to me. Maybe you're here this morning or, or you're watching by some other way. You say, that time comes when my life ends and I'm standing before the Almighty God. I don't know what I'm going to offer Him. I'm going to need His mercy. I'm going to need Him to, to give some forgiveness for Him. If you wait till that point in time, you'll not find it because He's offering it now. But you'll also find that no matter how much mercy you need, He's got enough for you because He's rich in mercy. We have a mentality, don't we, when it comes to those who are poor and those who are rich. We'll say the, 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 the rich will ask the rich for something because they can spare it. Because it's something that they can give. You, you don't find a, 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 a anybody begging in the poor neighborhoods. Because they don't have anything to spare. You find it with those who have an abundance I mean, that's why the politicians are always after their taxes. I'm not advocating for that, by the way. But you get the point. That's why you can't go to another man and say, Father, I need some mercy. Because he's poor in mercy. Boy, you can't go to a church and this crowd, if you went around with a collection trying to collect mercy enough for you to have your sins forgiven, you're just asking other poor people, other, those who are poor in mercy, to, to, to have enough mercy for you. No man has that mercy. You have to go to the one who's rich in it. And who's rich in mercy is the Almighty God. He's the God of justice. He's the God who demands justice for sin. He demands a punishment for that sin. But he's also the God 
who at the same time is rich in mercy and, and offers that forbearance and, and offers that forgiveness and, and offers uh, a, a, a commutation, uh, commutation of that sentence and he offers all of this in his mercy. Well, he's rich in mercy. I'm going to give you some evidence of it this morning. We see in verse number 4 once again, but God who is rich in mercy, why would a God who demands justice and who's been offended by our sins offer mercy because his great love wherewith he loved us. He's rich in mercy, number one. It's evidence in his love toward us. Friend, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what background you have. God loves you. I would dare say that's not the first time anybody in here has ever heard that, but if it is, I want you to hear it again. God loves you. The same God who put the stars in the sky, the same God who loves others, loves you. And we need to be reminded of who it is that loves us. You know what makes love special? It's because of the person who loves us. And the Almighty God loves you. The most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Why would God grant mercy? Because He loves us. God has mercy because he loves us. Every parent in here could probably testify to this if you have small children. You are more inclined to have mercy on those you love. You go to a grocery store, you go to Walmart, which you need mercy if you go there. You know what I'm talking about. You see those little brats that are always running around there? And it's like, bless God, if that was my kid. And, man, somebody needs to just take them outside and, 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 and tear them up. Somebody needs to discipline them. But yet, what we don't realize is there's other people in that same store who are looking at our kids. Now, what is wrong with those parents? What's wrong with those brats? I know some of you are saying, my children are not that way. That's because you got them left in the car. <laughs> you know what? Your child can do the same thing as another child, and you're more inclined, you have to, if, whether you want to admit this or not, to give mercy to your child. Why? Because you love them. And where there's love, there's an inclination of mercy. The fact that salvation is available is a testimony of God's love. The fact that whosoever can obtain salvation through Christ is evidence of God's love. Friend, this morning, I don't want anybody to leave the services today without being reminded that God loves them. And there's evidence of that in his mercy. You think because we're sinners, we're all guilty of being a sinner. There's nobody in here. You can't even deny that with a straight face. We're all sinners. We all come short of God. Our sin offends God. It may not offend you, but I promise you it offends God. Well, that, that's, that's just who we are. That's what we are. But yet God loves us enough that he would extend mercy to us. 
Boy, when we sin, we have that sin nature. Boy, we, we deserve at that moment that eternal justice, that eternal uh, 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 damnation for our sins. But the fact that mercy is even available is evidence that God loves us. Why would God show mercy to you and to me? There's only one explanation. He loves us. Paul reminds the church for his great love wherewith he loved us. Friend, don't, don't neglect his mercy. You neglect his mercy, you refuse his mercy, you're refusing his love. Why doesn't God love me? Oh, he does love you. He shows his mercy. Then we see, second of all, in verse number five, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. He's rich in mercy as evidence in our new life. The Bible tells us that we were, in verse number one, also tells verse number five, that we were dead in our sins. Our soul was dead. But he gave us new life. He quickened us and made us alive. We were dead in our sins. We've been made alive. We have a new life. Friend, if you've been saved just for a short time, let me tell you, God's given you a new life. If you get saved today, He'll give you a new life. He'll give you a new future. He'll give you a new hope. Then the life of a Christian, of a saved person, oh, what a great life to live. This old world, dead in their sins. Slave to the prince of the power of the air. They, they feel sorry for the Christian. They feel sorry for those that, that, that claim salvation, who say they're saved, give testimony of being saved. Friend, don't feel sorry for us. We've experienced the mercy of God. He's rich in his mercy, and it's evidence because he's given us a new life. I like the new life a lot better than the old life. And God will give you a new life through salvation, which is his mercy. And friend, you can have a new life today. You don't have to wonder where you're going to go when you die. You don't have to wonder what the eternity is like. You don't have to wonder if you've done enough good things that way, the bad, which I can probably tell you that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen in any case, but I can tell you that you can have a new life. You may look and you may be at the point of accepting Christ for your salvation. And you look at all the church people and you can say, I can never be like that and I can never do that. And how could I ever serve in that capacity? Friend, you're just like everybody else in here. All of us were dead in our sins, dead in our trespasses. But when we trusted Christ, the Spirit of God gave us life. And the new life is so much better than the old life. He's rich in mercy as evidence in our new life. God changes lives through his mercy. He changes lives through salvation. Friend, our country is not without hope because hope comes through Christ and the, 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 the most wicked of heart can be changed but only through the Lord Jesus Christ his mercy is available, and he'll give you a new life. Well, I need to turn over a new leaf. Maybe you just need to get saved. Well, I need a fresh start. I, th I think I'll try church. Maybe I I come to church. Maybe you just need to get saved. Maybe you need to, to accept the mercy that Christ extends through his own blood. 
He's rich in mercy as evidence in our new life. And thirdly, he's rich in mercy as evidence in our resurrection. Look at me at verse number 6. This has all been good, but it's about to get real good. And hath raised us up together. Don't miss the word us. And don't miss the word together. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Boy, he's rich in mercy as evidence in our resurrection. You and I are very well aware this morning of how Jesus gave his life on Calvary to pay the sins for every man. He gave up the ghost. He gave his life. There had to be a a death, but there had to be that shed blood. His blood had to be shed for the sins of men. He gave his life and he was resurrected three days later. He had told them that he would tear down the temple and in three days raise it up again. He had told them that he was going to die and then be resurrected. And, And many did not believe and many believed. And as he came forth, victorious over death. Friend, as he was the first to be resurrected, every child of God will be resurrected and every one of us together with him. He was the first, but he won't be the last. Well, if you're saved today, you don't have to worry about death. What about those who experienced the mercy of God and accepted Christ and have already died? Well, there's going to be a resurrection. They're with the Lord today. Boy, there's eternal life available. And what I love about this, that thought and that truth, but how Christ identifies with us and he's in in it with it together with us. You and I don't have to fear death because we're saved this morning. But if you're not saved... You better be terrified of it. You better not look twice before you pull out. You better look over and over and over and over again. The child of God, you shouldn't fear death because there's eternal life. If you've never accepted the mercy that Christ has extended, you should fear death. But he writes and he says, and hath raised us up together because you should fear it because without Christ, there's no way for you to be raised up. But we're raised up together and made us to sit together. Think of this. He raised us up together because of his resurrection and we will be resurrected. Notice that phrase, made us sit together in heavenly places. We will be with him because of him in heaven. Think about that. So, oh, I don't have anything to look forward to down here. Well, stop looking forward to what's down here and start looking forward to what's up there. And we can have victory and we can look ahead and we can have that hope because we are reminded because of his mercy, there is evidence of his mercy because we have the promise that we are going to be with him in heavenly places. We're going to be with him in that place called heaven. And it would not be heaven without him. It can only be heaven because of him. And friend, you and I, because of his mercy, we're going to spend an eternity with him. 
Then we see in verse number 7, number 4. But God who is rich in mercy, it's evidenced in His kindness. That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. There's so many wonderful attributes of our God. There's so many wonderful things that can be said of our God. He's a God that loves us. Aren't you thankful that God loves you? Well, nobody in this world loves me. God does. And friend, if I had to choose, I'd choose God. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of love. But he's, he's a God of kindness. Well, we have to fight in our, it's in our nature, but it's certainly prominent in our society today that we're entitled to certain things. We're entitled to things because I think I'm entitled to it. I think I should have it. We're not entitled. We are the beneficiaries of God's love. We're the beneficiaries of God's kindness. As I read verse 7 again, I want you to really think on the words that are being, being said. That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Let me make a few points and we'll close this morning. Notice that phrase, exceeding riches of His grace. There is nothing like being saved. Nothing like being saved. As I said a few weeks ago when I started this little series and I used that word saved and I, used, I took a few minutes to just talk about that word saved and what it means to a child of God. To be saved from our sins. To be saved from hell. To be saved from eternal separation from God. To be saved means there is somebody else who had to save us. Otherwise, we could not be saved. It's exceeding riches of His grace. For in all that we have in salvation, the, the forgiveness of our sins, the eternal destination change, the fact that our record in heaven is the record of Christ, the fact that we're joint heirs with Christ, everything He's entitled to, we are entitled to the fact that we have our heavenly bodies one day. We'll have His mind. We'll have His perfection. Boy, all that we have, the exceeding riches of His grace, that unmerited favor, the fact that we have the grace of God, we have that changed life. Friend, don't. You may be poor as far as this world's concerned, but don't forget the exceeding riches that you have because you've experienced His grace. But notice this phrase too, at the beginning of verse number 7, that in the ages to come, the change that I've talked about, the life that I've talked about, it's an eternal change. 
Mercy is not just good for today. The eternal life. Eternal mercy. That the ages to come, he might show the exceeding kindness. Well, I, don't, I can't remember all of the details on the day I got saved. I got saved as a child. There's a few little memories in there that I, can, I couldn't really describe it to you. But I knew that I needed salvation. I knew that I, and how to get it was through Christ. And on that day as a child, God extended mercy to me. On the calendar, it might be just another day. But it's not just another day. Because it was the day God, who was rich in mercy, extended His mercy to me. And on that day, I received His mercy. That's a good day. But you know what's just as good as that day? That his mercy was good the next day, and the next day, and the next day. And it's been almost 45 years since that day, and God's mercy has been good every single one of those days. It's good for me today. And let me tell you why I'm not doom and gloom about what takes place tomorrow, because when the sun comes up in the morning, and that his mercy is going to be good on that day. What's going to happen in the next presidential election? Let me tell you, I can't tell you everything that's going to happen, but let me tell you what, what is going to still be in place. It's going to be the mercy of God. I don't know what trial is coming in your life tomorrow, the, the next week. I don't know what kind of doctor's report is coming down. But friend, you and I need to understand that God, who is rich in mercy for the ages to come, He'll be showing us His kindness. And friend, if that trumpet were to sound the day and we were to be caught up with him for all of eternity, we'd experience the kindness of God. What would that kindness be? It would be all that is available to him would be available to us. And for all of eternity, for the ages to come, we'd experience the mercy of God. That's how he manifests his kindness his favor is through His mercy. And those who are already in eternity, they don't have a calendar. They don't have a clock. They're not experiencing the seasons. They are in those ages to come have already started for them. And they are experiencing the kindness of God. When those, when we could spend our eternity in that place called hell, we get to experience in the ages to come the kindness. There's no expiration date on mercy. None. Friend, that's why once you're saved, you're always saved. To say you can lose your salvation is to put a taint on God's mercy. Is to say His grace is not enough to keep you saved. There's no expiration date on mercy. How tragic would, I, would it be if I had to walk to the pulpit this morning? See, so if you're in the building and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, I've got some bad news for you. Yesterday, God ran out of mercy. It expired yesterday. 
You should have called on him when you had a chance. But friend, there'll never be a day where I'll have to walk to this pulpit and say, sinner lost in your sins, it's too late for you. But friend, I give you the, the evidence that he's rich in mercy for the ages to come, his mercy. We'll be enjoying his mercy. And I'll just conclude with this this morning by saying God is rich enough this morning to extend mercy to you. Say, oh, you don't understand, Pastor. I'm not like everybody else. Oh, you don't understand the stories that sit in the chairs around you. You don't understand the sin that was sending every one of us to hell is the same sin that, that you are bound in this morning. You don't understand. What, what you don't understand is the mercy of God that he will extend to you. And this could be the day when you experience and receive that mercy. But friend, let me challenge you. You must receive his mercy. It's the only hope you have. But he's rich enough to bestow it to you. I promise you, your sins are not going to drain God of all his mercy. He's rich in it. I just want to remind us this morning that your salvation, my salvation is not determined by your ability, but by God's riches. If you think you're saved, getting yourself saved, you think you're going to take care of your own sins, you're sadly mistaken. I would plead with you this morning. God's mercy never expires. But one day, God's justice is going to be served. And all that will be available that day is regret for not accepting the mercy when He offered it. If you're saved this morning, think about what you were before salvation. Think about the new life He's given you. Think about the opportunity in that life. And friend, no matter what you face down here, keep focus on God who's rich in mercy. God who, for the ages to come, will experience His mercy. Will experience His kindness. But this morning, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you've never put your faith in what Christ did. His mercy is available. I described to you my day of mercy when I was a child. There are other, if you're saved this morning, you can take your mind back to that day where God extended mercy to you. If you've never accepted it, the best way that I can illustrate this morning is God extends his hand of mercy. Before you fall into that pit of eternal damnation, God extends his hand. Before you experience the eternal flames of fire as the rich man experiences today, God extends his hand of mercy. We have evidence in his word that he'd say, just 
Accept my mercy. Receive my mercy. You don't have to pay for your own sins. You don't have to die in your sins. You can have the mercy that is an extension of my love and it's an evidence of my grace and it's an evidence of my kindness. And you can have a new life and you can have a new start. And when that day comes, when you take your last breath for the ages to come, you and the Son of God and all of us will sit in those heavenly places together with our Savior. I would challenge you this morning, if you've never accepted that mercy, accept it today. Christian, let's cancel our pity parties. Let's cancel our depression. Let's cancel our hopelessness. Say, well, Pastor, you don't understand the problems. I I may not understand all the problems, but I understand the promises of the heavenly places. I understand the kindness that Christ has bestowed upon us. I understand His love. And no matter how bad this gets, it's not as bad as what I deserve. And it's because of His mercy. I don't have to worry about that. Father, I pray that we'd be reminded that you're a God who's rich in mercy. May to 